There are a few days each year that I guess if we could call them custom made, absolutely custom made for declaring the goodness, the glory, the majesty, the awesomeness and the mind-blowingness of God, this has got to be one of them. Jesus came to earth and we never forget that. So much about life has been established on Jesus' arrival on earth. And as you've seen by our slides, our theme for today is the King is coming. What an incredible, incredible declaration. Now, some of you might go, well, hang on a minute. Hasn't he already come? Didn't he come as a baby? And isn't that what we're celebrating here today? Well, perhaps if I give you this, the Bible declares Jesus is both the Alpha and the Omega. We just sang it, Alpha and Omega, which means that he is the beginning and the end. Now, if you know your Bible, well, you know what? We're not done yet. We're not finished yet. Yes, he did come as a baby. He was found by the, by the Magi, or what we commonly call the wise men, where he was found in a manger, found as a young, a young child. But the scriptures also tell us that he will return, not as a baby, but this time he will return as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the all-conquering creator and ruler of heaven and earth. What an amazing thing to be aware of. What an amazing thing that we get to celebrate today. So before we go any further, you know what? I just really like to make this a, a special moment before the Lord. Why don't we pray? Wherever you are, why don't you join us? Come on, why don't we just pause a moment and give this day to God. Mighty God, how amazing are you? You are one of a kind. Never to be repeated. In the book of Daniel, you are referred to as the ancient of days. If we dig deeper into the meaning of scriptures, you are also known as the inextinguishable light. The one without beginning or end. The everlasting. El Shaddai, Adonai, the Lord Jehovah, the one who is and was and is to come. There are so many different names for you. Today, as we remember that you came... Lord, also, we pause and remember that you are coming. And so, Lord, as we gather around this Christmas day, Holy Spirit, would you fill every home? Would you fill every life that is joining us here right now in this service online? Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. We honor you. We recognize you. We revere you and we worship you as our Lord and Savior. Have your way in our lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're a believer like me, then you've been waiting for his return. If you've read any part of the scriptures, you've been waiting for his return. I've been waiting for 39 years. It's uh, 39 years. Well, it'll be 40 years next July, July 2022. Ever since the day I first believed that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, and I really started to get an understanding of the Bible. I was raised in the church. My family had been a church attending family for as well my whole life, and, uh, and then that changed from just church attending to Jesus following, to Jesus devoted, to believing in the Scriptures fully and completely. And ever since I got an understanding of that, I've been waiting for His return. You know, the apostles, Peter, James, John, the apostle Paul, none of those guys actually saw the arrival of Jesus, and they were convinced that they would see the return of Jesus in their time. Um, they're still waiting. <laughs> so are we. 
It's been more than 2,000 years and we're still waiting. And in that, there's a question that gets asked so many times. Why on earth is God taking so long? Is, why isn't Jesus returned as is described in the word of God? Well, you know, there's a clue for this in the scriptures. Come on, let's turn to the word. We don't have any slides today, so I hope you've got your Bibles with you because we're turning to the book of 2 Peter. This is a letter the apostle Peter wrote. It's towards the end of the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I'm going to read it to you out of the NIV, the New International Version. It says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. He has promised he will return. He's not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I think we can say pretty safely that not everybody on the planet today believes that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you know what? So great is his love, he doesn't want anyone to miss out. He doesn't want anyone to not have had an opportunity to acknowledge him as the creator of the heavens and the earth. And, you know, the Bible describes humanity as sheep. In New Zealand, we get that. It's no great surprise. And I'm sure, you know, I've only been waiting 39 years for Jesus' return, but I'm sure the Jewish nation struggled with the long wait for their Messiah. You see, the Messiah was prophesied in the Old Testament, I just last week I taught about, or two weeks ago, I taught about how Isaiah prophesied the arrival of the Messiah some 700 years before Jesus was born. Malachi was talking about it some 500 years before he was born. But you know, the crazy thing is, even though they were waiting and they had those prophetic descriptions of how Jesus would come, when Jesus did arrive, not everybody recognized him. I wonder, would we, would we recognize him? If Jesus rocked up today, if Jesus came today, would we recognize him? And even if we did recognize him, would we give him the honor that is due his holy name? I don't know. It's a tough question and it's one worth pondering. See, the, the Bible describes one elderly lady, what happened in her life when Jesus came the first time as a baby. Her name was Anna. She was 84 years old. Let me read to you out of Luke chapter 2, verses 36 and 37. There was also a prophet. Her name was Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years after she got married to him. And then she was a widow. She was only married for seven years. And then her husband died. Then was a widow until she was 84 and get this, she never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Man, that's, that's some pretty significant devotion, isn't it? She stayed a widow for many, many years until she was 84, worshipping, fasting, praying, believing that she would see the Messiah. If you read the Gospels, uh, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus as a baby to the temple to dedicate him to God, as was the, the law and the custom of the day. And uh, Simon, who was an elderly man waiting to, waiting to see the Messiah, God told him, you won't die until you see my Messiah. He's standing there just about blowing apart at the seams because he's seen the Messiah in the baby form. And then Anna comes up. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 38, it says this, coming up to them at that very moment, 
she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She recognized the Messiah even as a baby. And I saw him as a baby. She saw Jesus' fulfillment of her dreams, her prayers, her expectation. And she told everybody, but guess what? She still didn't see the final outcome. Still didn't see it. You know, I, I believe Anna gives us an amazing example, a wonderful example of acceptance of Jesus. A wonderful example is given us to, to us by the Apostle Paul and a letter that he wrote, and this is a letter to the, he wrote to the people in, in Colos, or the Col, uh, Colossians. It says this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 3, and then verse 6 and 7. I'm reading this to you out of the New Living Translation. It says this, In Him, that's in Jesus, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And now, just as you accept Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him. Let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing this. He didn't see the original arrival of Jesus. He believed he would see the second coming of Jesus. We know that he didn't historically. And yet... What a profound encouragement for us today. On this day that we remember Jesus' arrival on earth as a baby, on this day when we can recognize that the King is coming, on this day we can read the Apostle Paul's strong encouragement. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must also continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you are taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let's, let's be real just for a moment right now. These last couple of years have tested our ability to be thankful, haven't they? In many, many ways. Uh, you know, we may have lost... Someone, And, you know, this may be your first Christmas without a dear loved one with you. And, you know, our hearts go out to you today. We, in the name of Jesus, we declare peace over your heart. We declare peace over your home right now. May you know the absolute nearness of the presence of the Holy One of Heaven. Filling that gap. Because it's tough. Maybe through one thing or another, you, you might find yourself in different employment or out of employment. But today, on this day, in him lie all hidden treasures of knowledge and truth and wisdom. If everything around you is shaky, then he sets a table for you in the midst of that. You can come to him, you can come to the word of God, and you can be fed, encouraged, and strengthened, because in him all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. You know, this Christmas message, I guess, wouldn't be a traditional, it's, it's not a more, a more traditional Christmas message where I talk about the shepherds and the angels and the wise men. As I was preparing this, I felt absolutely compelled to encourage you to lift your eyes and to prepare your hearts because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the King is coming. 
very famous author by the name of C.S. Lewis wrote this. God will invade. And when that happens, it's the end of the world. When the author walks on the stage, we know that the play is over. For this time will be God without disguise. You know, Jesus, people didn't recognize Jesus when he came as a baby. People didn't recognize Jesus when he walked into Jerusalem as a 30-something-year-old man. But when Jesus returns as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, this time, as C.S. Lewis says, this time will be God without disguise. And this is, he goes on to say something so overwhelming that it will strike irresistible love or irresistible horror into every creature. It will be the time when we discover which side we've really chosen. Oh, well, that's a, that's a pretty heavy statement to make on a Christmas day, isn't it? Which side are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the side of the returning King of Kings? Or are you going to be like the ones who won't recognize him? Are you going to stand there and give praise to God for what has happened? Or are you going to stand there and just wonder what's happened? I don't know. That's a decision you can make. But if you're tuning in today, then I conclude one of two things. One of three things. Either A, you've been invited by a family member and you don't believe in Jesus, but you're gracious and you're joining them. God bless you for that. Or you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you're looking for the day of Him, His return like I am. Or maybe, just maybe you're on a journey. And you're wondering, is this Jesus real? Well, I sit here this morning to tell you, yes, he is. Yes, he is. There was a uh, famous pop singer by the name of George Michael. Now, I don't believe he was a man of faith at all, but he wrote a song. And in that song, there was a very catchy line. And that song was, you got to have faith. Some of you will remember that. Some of you may not be old enough to remember it. You know, it was a hit song and many people sang it and many people sang along with George Michael. You got to have faith. You got to. You know what? I wonder if they actually understood what they were singing because I think maybe for most of them they didn't. But that lyrical statement, you've got to have faith. There was so much truth in that. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, that verse says, without faith, it's impossible to believe God. I, I would like to take a step further and say, without faith, it's impossible to even acknowledge that he exists. What is faith to you? What does faith mean to you? Consider what that verse says about those who earnestly seek him. You know, the word faith in the Bible means a belief, a hope, and this not unwavering and not uncertain, this belief is a deep conviction. It's a certainty about the outcome. And of course, from a Christian context, faith, we're talking about the King himself, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But you know what? We all have faith. Believer or non-believer, you have faith. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe in yourself or not, whether you believe lies or truth, Whatever you believe, you believe in something. What do you believe? Or whom do you believe in? 
if it's not God, then perhaps you believe in humanity. And that there is the beginning of humanism because you believe that humanity has all the answers. <laughs> I wonder if I can step out on thin ice this morning and go, no, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't, not at all. Maybe this morning you're joining us and you believe in some other deity, some other God. The Bible describes Jesus Christ as the one and only Lord. It describes him as the one and only way between God and mankind. It says that there is only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Now, I just read to you Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 6, which says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I want to go back six verses to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and it says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So a healthy faith is not based on an earthly hope, but because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That's Hebrews 11, verse 6. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists. That is an assurance that God loves us, and wants to reward us, and, and that he will return. He said to the disciples as he was ascending into heaven, you know, don't be sad, because if I go, I'm going to come back. He, he said to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back for you. The king is coming. This Christmas, this Christmas, would you ask God for more faith? like the disciples did. And what would that look like? Ponder that for a moment. If God was to answer you in your request to him for more faith, what would it look like? Do you think it might be a supernatural download? You plug in a divine USB and all of a sudden at however many terabyte per second, whatever, I mean, if it's from heaven, so it's going to be a very high download. And suddenly you've got this download of faith. Maybe God's supernatural. I'm sure he could do that. It talks in the scriptures about how he opened the mind of the disciples to the scriptures. But I wonder if we were to ask God for more faith, I wonder if part of that journey is actually going to start with us evaluating and maybe changing our beliefs, evaluating and maybe changing our perspective. I wonder. Allow me to give you some examples of how my belief system has changed since I first started my faith journey. On the 16th of July, 1982, I was standing in the front of our little church and I was about to get water baptized. And the, my pastor of the day, he looked at me and he goes, Tom, you've, you've come to be baptized. It's pretty public. It's a public confession of your faith in Jesus Christ. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? I was 16 years old and it was the first time that I'd been so bluntly confronted with the, do you believe in God or not? And I stood there for a moment. And I looked at my mum and dad and I thought, well, I know they do. I looked at my older brother and I, I know he does. And I had this moment where I realized, well, do I or don't I? And right there I decided, yes, I do. I've seen too much of what God can do. I've seen prayers answered. Yes, I do believe, I said to my pastor, and he baptized me. Here are some things that have changed. I now believe 
And I am convinced that God loves me and has a wonderful plan for me. Did I believe that immediately? No, but it's a journey of faith. And I have learned and I believe and I am convinced of that. Here's the second thing. I now believe and I am convinced that I am an ambassador for Christ. What does that mean? I represent Christ here on earth. Now, does, does Jesus need to use me? <laughs> Not at all. He is supernatural and he is majestic and he could do it himself. But he chooses to work through humanity. And I'm one of those broken vessels that God chooses to work through. I'm, I'm an ambassador and I represent him here on earth in my world. Here's another thing. I now believe and I am absolutely convinced that I have a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that each and every one of us, believer or unbeliever, you are, you are a masterpiece. You are a handcrafted, one of a kind, masterpiece made by God. And he made you on purpose for a purpose. And what's more is the Bible teaches us that he's gone before you to prepare that purpose for you to walk into. I am believe and I am convinced that every single person on the face of this planet has a purpose. Part of our journey of faith is finding what that purpose is. And here's the fourth one. Now, the first three I said, I now believe and I am convinced. This fourth one, this is what I'm going to say. I now believe and I am still working on the fact that I can live a life free of fear. I can walk, I can work, and I can wait for his second coming. Why? Because I believe and I am convinced that God's promises are true and he will not break his promise. Can you make a list of your beliefs like that this Christmas? Yeah, we're very good at writing lists of things we would like as gifts. <laughs> but can you write a belief list? I don't know. Maybe this Christmas day, maybe as a gift back to God, you can write him a list of thank yous. Thank you, God. I believe. Da, da, da. Thank you, God. I believe and I am convinced. Maybe you can do that if you like. You can use my, my list as a, as, a, as a launch pad. You can use my list. I don't mind. But there's more for us to believe and be convinced of in God. And one of them I really want you to get today is the King is coming. I believe the good news of Christmas can help us all build a stronger and a healthier faith. Think back to the last time that you received some really, really good news. What was that bit of good news? What made it so good? Maybe it was a long-awaited answer to prayer. Maybe it was the news that a potential disaster had been avoided. Maybe, maybe it was the surprise welcome of a family member you have not seen in a long time. And they knocked on your door and went, surprise, we're here for Christmas. I don't know. But whatever that good news was, we live in a world that has got eternal good news the king is coming. The very, the very, very first Christmas, whoops, here we go, I lost my notes. The very first Christmas, the good news was declared by the angels. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 from the Passion Translation said this. This is the angel declaring to the shepherds. Okay, so I will mention the shepherds today, just once. But the angel reassured them, them being the shepherds, saying, Don't be afraid. For I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone, everywhere. 
This good news is for everyone, everywhere. The King is coming. Now, as followers of Jesus, if you've been a believer in Jesus and you've been following him and reading his word, you could be so accustomed to hearing this good news or the gospel that it's kind of a little ho-hum. It's like, oh, yeah, Christmas again, ho-hum. Not ho-ho, but ho-hum. And, you know, we, we kind of lose sight on what makes the Christmas message so revolutionary. Even those in Jesus' day were astonished. Some disbelieved. Some outright rejected the words coming from the mouth of the man Jesus himself because they just went, eh, that's just Joseph's son. And today we're no different. So today, this Christmas day, we pause, we put some time aside, recognizing that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do. The king is coming. What's the news and why is it so good? Well, the king is coming. How does the proclamation that Jesus is the fulfillment of the ancient promises continue to be good news even 2,000 years down the track? How's it good news for the world today? You know what? We need to refresh our memories. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to shape our imaginations. How this is good news and how we're actually supposed to work with this news here and now. See, here's the thing about news, especially if it's good news, but news in itself. News creates a new situation where we actually live between the event that has happened and the event that will happen. Right now, if you go online and you read stuff, I would really encourage you to actually look at the header or the subheader. So there's the title of the article, and then there's a wee subheader, and then the article. More often than not, it says an opinion piece. It's actually not news. It's just an opinion. And those opinions are shaping people's thinking but it's not news. It's just someone's opinion. Actual news declares an event and it sets us up in preparation of what's going to follow that event. The good news that Jesus came. The good news that Jesus died on the cross for our salvation. The good news that Jesus is going to return. That has happened. Now we're in the little bit in the middle before the next event will happen. And that is the king is coming. It's easy to dilute the Christian message into some good advice about how we might live a good life. We might reorder our private spirituality. But the whole point of Christianity is about the eternal outcome. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. The King is coming. The good news of Christmas announces that the, a whole new world order and a whole new way for a human to live is going to, has come and is going to come. This has happened, and one day it will be full and final and eternal. It will be complete, and it will happen. The King is coming. I want to read to you a few scriptures as I bring this message into land. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24-25 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially, get this, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Oh, boy, oh, boy. The day of his return is drawing near. 
Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega. This is God. The beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Acts chapter 1 verses 10 and 11 says this, as they strained to see him rising. This is the disciples seeing Jesus leave after he was resurrected from the dead. It says this, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But, I love, the, I love that word, but, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. What a promise. What a promise. You know, the story of Christmas is the story of God's relentless love for all of us. Let him love you to life. I mean that. Let him love you to life. If God himself was willing to be wrapped in, the rag, in rags, dependent on a young woman to nourish him, to be laid down in an animal feeding trough, if he was then willing to lay his life down again on a cross for us, then be encouraged today that the love of God towards us is so great. There is no place he will not go. There is no person beyond his reach. I want you to know that today. Someone watching today, this, this online, live online Christmas service, you are not beyond his reach. You are not beyond his love. You are not beyond his salvation, his forgiveness, his restoration. His love is that great. There is no limit to his love. There is no falseness in his promise. There is no lie or turning away from what he has declared. The king is coming. He will return. You know, that's one of the reasons why I love Christmas. That God, who came to earth and became one of us, he did so that we might become one with him. All you need to do is ask him. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, this is a letter from the Apostle John, again towards the end of the Old Testament. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, I want to read it to you out of the message translation. It says this, And now, children, stay with Christ. Live deeply in Christ. Then we'll be ready for him when he appears, ready to receive him with open arms, with no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. With no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. The king is coming. Will we recognize him when he arrives? Will we know what's happening and rejoice, probably with terrified hearts, but full of, full of incredible love? Or will we be terrified, full stop? The king is coming. People, as you celebrate Christmas today, why don't you take a moment, recognize he is who he says he is. He is going to do what he says he's going to do. And the king, he's coming. He is going to return.